Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Noel John Tilly. This is Invasion of the Potty Snatchers. Let's get to it, motherfuckers. I tried to watch the fog. Missed. <laughs> you told that joke before. You I know. I don't care. care. I don't even care. <laughs> I don't care. And I don't. <laughs> All right. No, oh, we're Jesus. back. But we're not back alone. We're back for another episode of our zombie series. And everybody knows what this motherfucking zombie series is. The hitches, the guest picks the movie. And the guest we have today is Will motherfucking Johnson. Will, tell the folks who you are, what you do, and what movie you picked first to watch today. Well, I'm William Johnson. I'm the co-host of the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast. Uh, that show is co-hosted by another person that <laughs> manages to be on shows sometimes on this network and others. Never Whatever. heard of him. We're never. That's not, it's not important. I never sell... heard of this other person. Nor do I care to. <laughs> no, no, no. I and I, I'm the sex of the show. I sell the sex. That's what. That's what yeah. I'm here for. Uh, also, uh, when someone says pick a zombie movie, I decide to pick something that is ambiguous if it's zombies, and if so, only appears for about thirty-five seconds. So Pops. I decided, yeah, I so I I decided to go with the most non-zombie zombie movie <laughs> you can think of because that's yeah. what I do. I'm a disruptor. I'm a disruptor. <laughs> I'm counterculturist. I go against the grain. So, <laughs> so many metaphors. So, yeah. so congrats, congratulations for those of you expecting a zombie movie. I did not pick one for you. So yeah. Figure that one out. But to, no, I actually like a rage against the machine. Tell us the movie. You still haven't told that's us right. the movie. Oh, we haven't. I haven't told the movie. Yet? <laughs> he, oh. did. he did. He was like he was built it up, and he never oh. told. <laughs> oh well, I uh, I picked Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. And, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, um, no, it's The Fog. John Carpenter's The Fog uh, is mm. what I picked. Sorry, I, I assume people were listening to the episode would already know what we're going to talk about, but. Oh, yeah. the well, the way to read the title, but you know, it's all about the, yeah. the showmanship, the prestige, if yeah, you will. Exactly. You know? Yeah, the smoke and mirrors. That's what we're all about over here at MDK. MDK. We're all about or the fog and mirrors. Uh, this fucking yeah, game. there's something in the it. fog. There's something wrong with it. It glows. It glows. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, uh, I wanted something because I'm really not like a huge zombie person. I, mm. I blame, I blame um, Simon Pegg. And Edgar Wright for that because, like anything, I don't know if, how this worked out in Ireland, but yeah. you know what ha- what happened was is you know zombies were kind of like a nice little niche, fun little thing over here in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, then Shaun of the Dead came out and everyone was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's make everything a zombie thing ever. Like, I mean, yeah. everything yeah. was every movie was a zombie yeah. thing. They tried the zombie comedies. They redid stuff like Dawn of the Dead. Zombies. Uh, Zombies, uh, romzoms, all that kind of stuff, um, and then you know, Mar- you know, Marvel Comics was doing zombies, and everything was zombies. Mm. I mean, I know that Shaun of the Dead isn't like mm. an epic cultural landmark, but it did over here. I think people were like, "Oh, it really turned cool into that. one." Mm. It did, it did, and and I just I, I can't believe we're still in it. And mm. to me, it's a limited genre in the first place. I, I mean, mm. I like it, Boo. and I. And I think, no, 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 I just, I think that the, the problem is, is that, you know, you can, um, like, let's take like something like uh, gangster films, right? Yeah. Um, there seems to be different eras of gangster films. There seems to be different 
like directors have different takes on it. Like if you get a Francis Ford Coppola versus a Scorsese versus a Japanese Yakuza versus a Chinese triads, mm-hmm. you get so many, you get so many different variations. And I just think that the zombie itself, when you have someone that just nailed it so perfectly with George A. Romero, mm. um, it's just, it's hard to, you know, he nailed it, you know, with his movies. Uh, and then, and he, he was kind of, at least until Shaun of the Dead and the zombification of everything, yeah. I think he was the be all say all of zombies. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like, I know that there were some other ones like Return of the Living Dead and, and things like that, but it just felt like his was the definitive version of yeah. like what a zombie film should be. The modernistic interpretation. All, right. And I, and I think it's always been kind of, everyone's trying to mess with it and play with it and, and just zombify everything. And I, I just don't think it, it has the narrative power. Mm. Like he already, he already went for with night of the living dead with the racism angle yeah. and with dawn of the dead with the consumerism angle. Yeah. He really, he already was like nailing, it's almost like Star Trek in a way because he was already nailing like the possibilities of what you could say with that genre. And I usually when you, you see something like that, I mean, usually you go for the aesthetics first and then someone digs deep. It's just like the Western now, whereas the Western used to be just kind of a, a fun time at the movies. And then someone said, let's deconstruct the Western. And now you can't really have a Western without it being deconstructed. Yeah. Like he started the zombies being deconstructed from the start. Mm. So that's kind of hard to continue when someone's already used it to the maximum ability. So I just, uh, I think it's limited. So, and, and this leads to why I picked the fog because a lot of people might argue the fog is a ghost movie. Yeah. I, I argue it's kind of a mixture because, and mm. I, and I like, like zombie ghosts. Yeah. I, I think it's zombie ghosts really because mm, yeah. they kind of have, they kind of Their have. Own dead. They're physical. The, yeah. They're physical. They're, they, they yeah. Have Yes, and they have, and what I like about it is there's a little bit of a twist on it. Is that like, uh, and and Pirates of the Caribbean would later do the same thing. Is yeah. that they kind of have this fate? It's it's actually a lot like the dead, the dead in uh, Lord of the Rings too. It's it's um, they they've almost been like, First. they can only they can only go on <laughs> until their revenge is complete. And I. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of a nice mixture. It's a nice if you if you want to say they're zombies, which I can see many will argue it's not. Yeah. I just think it's a nice twist on the because you know zombies in the most in the most case, like you said, when you look at it from a societal perspective, mm. are brain dead consumers. Like they're stuck in the mall and they just want to be at the mall all day. Yeah. You know, this is kind of like the same thing, but it's like it's motivated by like this like you stole my gold and yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get it back and I cannot be at peace until I get my fucking gold back. Yeah. And I, lo- and I kind of like that. I kind of like that angle of like this fate. It, there's, there's still an intelligence behind them. They're not just brain dead. They're, they're actually like, they yeah. have a purpose and they have a, they have a goal Yeah. and they're going to stop at nothing. They're like the terminators of zombies. They'll stop at nothing to get what they need, Yeah. which I think is kind of cool. And they look awesome. I think they, the, the design of them is fucking phenomenal. So, um, yeah, of course, the eyes, the eyes peering out from the smoke was just really good. But can I, can I push back against you on the, the kind of ambiguity of zombies? Because, you know, we watched a, a film during the build-up of this series, uh, sorry, White Zombie, and you realise that the, the origins was very much so like, you know, Baron Zombie, uh, bringing the dead back under your complete control. The Haitian Lord. The Haitian yeah, Lord. And then, then you have... Sure. 
the kind of what we all knew when we grow up and we all kind of in our heads put as the the need and that is you know like day dawn of the dead and, and, and what have you but then you have the rage virus in 28 days there and then there was actually an awful yeah. lot of ambiguity inside of the zombie thing and i think just the zombie thing is just like um relentless pursuit of flesh or people or mm. and there's the slow build and there's the fast build and and in the fog it was kind of um I thought I did the slow zombies really well because they're slow, but they can get inside. Mm. You can't build. Yeah. You can't build a perimeter or a trench. Uh, uh, you can't beat them over the head with a bat. So I, I thought it was cool. But for me, uh, if we're going to accept the twenty-eight days later and the dawn of the dead, and if you go back to Haitian lore and there's a few examples sure. of that, I think you have to accept the bug. I, I don't think you've gone yeah. so far off the reservation that you're oh, just of like, course not, not in a zombie movie for me. Yeah, I think like when you look at the zombie subgenre, like, you know what I mean? What is the one thing people say? The one thing people say that the reason 28 is there or 28 weeks later is not a technically a zombie movie is because they're not the living dead. Well, the fog, these are definitely the living dead. If not the living oh, dead, yeah. they're the risen dead. You know what I mean? Like, so they don't breathe, they don't eat, mm. you know, like they, 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 they don't pass any of the criteria for living. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, so they definitely hit the the right fucking uh, benchmarks for me. If you want to talk about zombie movies, like, and this shows, like, to counter Will's point, that there is actually a wide berth for zombies because, like, the but uh, Noel said there's the Haitian lore, then you have like all the way up to ninety years later, Army of the Dead. Like and in the middle you had all of George yeah. Romero. You have like uh, the twenty eight weeks and twenty eight days later. You have Sean. Army of Darkness. You have the Walking Dead, where you can have this kind of like undead, but it's very realistic instead of like the Zack Snyder interpretation, where it's a bit more over the top. Especially Army of the Dead, you know. So I think there actually is a lot you can do with this. And I, but I do, yeah, but I do also agree that it is a saturated subgenre of all the subgenres in horror, especially over the past twenty years or so. This has been heavily saturated, heavily so. Well, well. Vampire. Me, are the only other thing that could be in the conversation yeah to me the the end of the the zombie craze for me was um so disney channel over here and i have kids so you know uh they were at the perfect age and actually my daughters are five years apart and and so this the, there was a one disney channel original movie musical mm. right that came out called zombies um, and it's about high school kids and, you know, like there's a zombie part of town and then there's the regular people part of town and they all sing and the, the zombie falls in love with the human and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, once you're starting to get Disney adaptations of zombies, it's like, you've gone yeah. too far. Like, I mean, Dimension. cause now it's cause, cause now it's like, uh, I mean, it was cute. I liked it. I liked the music actually. It was very fun. Mm. I watched it with my daughters. Now I've watched it too many times because mm. my youngest daughter is getting into it now. And I'm just like, uh, fuck uh, zombies. Uh, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's, I it's he stars just walk in and he's watching it. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> just, oh no, yeah, you probably want to watch this again. Uh, <laughs> zombies, zombies, zombies. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like, I mean, cause I remember my dad, it doesn't follow any pop culture trends. Like, my my daughter walked up and said, "Will you watch zombies with me?" And my dad's like, "Why the hell are you watching something with zombies?" And I had to tell him, "I'm like, no, it's not zombies, really. It's mm. Disney zombies." But I mean, it's it's gotten to that point where it's, you know, you've got The Walking Dead in its like 900th season on AMC, and then you've got Disney making zombie things and mm. Mar Marvel making zombie things and everybody making zombie. Things. It's just it's like I said, it's oversaturated. It kind Fear of walk puts me dead, off to it. You know, yeah. Yeah, well, now there's going to be a third one uh, with uh, 
what's his name? Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And there's so this will be a third series. There's already a third series called The World Beyond. Oh, is there? I have no idea. See, I don't even I don't even follow up with that stuff. I just it's become something that it's it's almost oversaturating pop culture, and I and I just I tune out when I get like I was I mean I I was aware as a Marvel fan of you know the the Marvel zombie brand and Mm. you can't escape it and I thought that you know it was kind of fun to see the MCU version of it in the what if series but I mean that that is pretty specific to me that I you know I would enjoy that I mean I would enjoy you know Kevin Feige in his underwear (laughs) but uh you know but um, yeah but but, (laughs) you know that's about as far as I can get. I can be like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I have this huge, I have a falcon and a, a ginormous uh, Captain America zombie pop yeah. over here nearby. But, you know, that's starting to get specialized. And yeah. But it, overall, it's like when I see zombies, I kind of roll my eyes and go, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, but so, looking, at, looking at it for its time, it's 1908. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a pretty yeah, no, cool it's, time for zombie genre. But oh, like, absolutely. Even, yeah. even with the, the zombie uh aspects of this movie aside we put that to one side let's look at it as a suspense trailer something that john carpenter does better than almost anybody right so let's look let's look at how it was shot let's we already spoke a little bit about the design of the dead that was done by i think rob botin who actually played blake i've seen it in the credits the guy who did the special uh, effects for the thing um but like what did you think of the way this is shot like one thing uh, i've seen in a meme before that the, the nighttime in the 80s just hits different those blues and blacks it's just a shot beautifully what do you think of the way it was shot uh will and in no what do you think yeah well i mean carpenter is uh you know a widescreen master i mean he's he's people sometimes you know say he's too slow and that's fine with me i don't mind that because to me he's one of the few directors that can establish a mood it's really easy to it's really easy to make something jump scary and it's easy to manipulate the senses with high intense music and jump scares and and things that manipulate you into being scared but like carpenter is actually one of the most brilliant mood artists out there and and, and here's a, a comparison for films in his future mm. Um, he did a, a really fun movie called Ghost of Mars towards the end of his directing <laughs> career. Yeah. But if you notice when We're you familiar. watch that movie, <laughs> yeah, when, when you watch that movie, you'll notice that the studio was like, okay, we can't do these long takes and these long shots. And there's actually like transitions while people are talking because <laughs> like like Ice Cube and Natasha Hentrich will be talking across the room at each other in a typical kind of John Carpenter shot setup. <laughs> and then as they're talking, it'll literally do like a swipe. And then suddenly they're standing next to each other because people's attention spans are no longer acceptable. Like people no longer want to see long shots and mood mm. and even people talking across a room. Like it has to be more action packed. And that, that shows you the power that, that he had in 1980 versus what, a more modern audience, I would say, in the late '90s or mm. 2000s, when he did Ghost of Mars, how two years after yeah. Halloween as well, like only. Yeah, so you know, it's just he. I, I can understand, like you know, if you fire this up at 1 a.m., you know, on a Friday after you've been drinking a little bit, you might fall asleep. But to me, it's a mood piece, and and Carpenter's one of the best 
mm. mood directors out there. So it looks beautiful. I mean, first of all, just where they shot is amazing. And mm. like you said, the night hits different, the special effects. I mean, I think he said, I, I, I don't have the exact quote, but I mean, he said that fog is probably the cheapest, but one of the best special effects you can have because it's automatically eerie, you know? Yeah, and yeah. So I, don't, I, I just think it's, I mean, just from a filmmaker's perspective, it's just a masterclass of mood and setup and visuals. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, how about you, know? Um, I always think when I look at films like this, there was a time when we kind of knew how to make a lot out of a little. Mm. And now I feel like we know how to make a little out of a lot. Yeah. Um, too high concept uh, at times. Yeah, too high concept at times. And, and don't get me wrong, you get an avatar or something. Why why not? Like, why not have a blockbuster? And it's fantastic. And it's visually yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's 3D and all of that. Um, but this, like, like, kind of what Will kind of said as well, you know, like fog, it lended itself to special effects. It was a smoke machine or, you know, it was dry ice or whatever it was. Fog machine. And it was just those. <laughs> fog machine. <laughs> smoke machine, fog machine. Are they the same thing? Uh, and one uh, smoke and the other is fog. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Um, but he said, but just two <laughs> eyes piercing out at you. That that was it. That was so cool. The first time I saw it. Now I've seen this film a few times over my life, but I haven't seen it in 15, 16 years or something. And like Will said, it was probably on like late at night, and I sat and watched it because and chatted to somebody, yeah. you know, that kind of way. But uh, I just remember thinking, yeah, it's just cool. It's a church. It's you know, it's the last best. It's the last place where they're going to try and that they're they're on the run. Because Did you watch it back like for this crossing. episode? Yeah. Good, good. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. But it was the yeah. first time in so long that I, I forgot how much, how how actually aesthetically pleasing and stuff that this mm. film actually was. The knocks at the door. It was very, very, very simple stuff. Um, an elderly Janet Leigh was kind of cool to see as well, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd forgotten. But uh, I remember just thinking, it, it, I didn't need all the bells and whistles. It is a slow burn, but it's a very uncomfortable, it's a very uncomfortable thing. Yeah, and when I watched this, I remember the first time I seen this, it actually did freak me out a bit because it was yeah. there was actually some fog, and I'm like 18 or something, going like, "Get over yeah. yourself." There's nothing in. There's nothing in the fog. But my um, brain just went, "There's something in the fog." They did it a lot with a little, so aesthetically, I loved it. Yeah. I just did. Yeah, Yuvin, your own um, question. Uh, yeah, no, um, uh, about the fog uh, when you watch it, like uh, anytime there is actually really heavy fog, I either watch the fog or the mist. <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah, I can't help myself. But uh, no, uh, I, I'm a massive fan of John Carpenter, and this is Pete Carpenter in a lot of ways. In the space of oh, yeah, no, yeah. years, he did Halloween, he did the fog, he did Halloween two, he did the thing, and I think he did Christine in the space of like five or six year period or something. So isn't yeah, Christine, no, that, that this is he the height of his powers. Yeah, you know, it's just, and then this is. Like the way he sets the tone, like Will was saying, like the like one thing I noticed, like I watched rewatched it again today, and I only watched it like about a week ago, and um I uh, I paid a bit more close attention to it and just to how he draws out the the mood, like Will was saying at the start of the movie, like the names are still coming up about five or ten minutes, it feels like going into the movie because he has the story, he sets the tone, like you know, here's your little bit of exposition, build your lore, and then we're gonna slowly introduce you to the current state of affairs, you know, the world, the house San Antonio, or whatever the snip. I think it's San Antonio, isn't it the name of the place? And um, I, that's what I loved about it, just this kind of slow build that just unsettles you with the, uh, the old man's story. And then, like, it then talks about the centenary. And then it just kind of builds up to the first part where it's like 12 o'clock to one, that kind of one hour period where we first see the fog, where it interacts with the seagrass and it comes ashore and all this kind of thing where we still... Moving against the wind. 
Yeah. What kind of fog? What kind of fog moves against the wind? Yeah, it's fucking glowing at that stage. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> that'd be the first thing I even like. Uh, I'm pretty sure there might be some nuclear fallout going on over here. I know, I'm so stupid, though. I'd be kind of like, well, I won't be. The, I would be the guy that doesn't voice up because this is probably like something <laughs> that everyone else knows. About. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like some completely natural phenomenon. Uh, glow fog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just glow fog, which is. Nobody's overreacting, which is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> a common occurrence I'm reading. A common occurrence, reading. apparently. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. just to give you a, just to, to support Vinny's claim here, I mean, look at this murderer's row of films. I'm going to read these to you. This is the order of theatrical films. He did a couple of TV movies, hmm. but 76, Assault on Pre-613, 78, Halloween, Big one. 80... 80 the fog 81 escape from new york and 82 the thing i mean that's mm. just like oh and then 80 83 christine it's mm. like dang so like what yeah what a what a hell of a streak right there i mean that's, mm. that's and it's amazing. just quality not just because anybody can make movies we would like i mean making movies is not the thing that's impressive certainly but they were uh, some absolute absolute classics Mm. yeah and that's and that's the thing about carpenter too is um when he did christine he was essentially a director for hire like it wasn't it wasn't his film he made Mm. it his own that's how talented he is Mm. yeah it wasn't his baby that, yeah, that wasn't his baby. And, uh, you know, uh, so the fact that he could make something memorable, I mean, great directors are going to do that. But, you know, a lot of the times when you've got somebody who's kind of like this collaborator, like writer, director, editor, cinematographer, uh, composer, you know, whatever. And then they're just he just needs money and they say, here, let's do Stephen King. That's hot right now. And then he kind of makes it his own is pretty, pretty cool. I mean, that I think that shows the talent. And once again, you know, he'll always kind of be. I think he, unlike Wes Craven, who I love also, mm. uh, Wes Craven was constant. He was constantly frustrated with being pigeonholed as a horror person. I think mm. Carpenter's just like fuck it. I'm fine with it. I, yeah. I'm I'm gonna make what I want to make. And um, it was good out too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Craven. Craven started getting more um, like cynical as he got. Oh, I mean, if you look at the difference between even just the Scream movies, if you look at yeah. the difference between Scream 1 and Scream 4, by Scream 4, he's you can tell how bitter and angry he is. And like the, the violence is more extreme and more yeah, you can just you can kind of see his his bitterness at being stuck in horror. Whereas Carpenter's always kind of like even when his and even in his failures. I mean, like I said, I love Ghost of Mars. I think Ghost of Mars is hilarious. I think it's fun. <laughs> Ghost of Mars it, is funny. That's mm. the thing about Ghost of Mars. Yeah. yeah. And and when people were like, well, your film kind of sucks. Why would you make this? He's like, I made you a film called Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> exactly. What do you expect? Chill out. Like, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I just... You know the place that, that we've never proved there was any life? <laughs> 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 like, as long as there's ghosts on Mars in that movie, I'm sold. He'd get me exactly what he said he was going to give me, like, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of going, this Sharknado film, I'm not... It's a bit... You, you know, I kind of go... This Sharknado-ish. Stay <laughs> yourself, but slowly. Uh, 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 but I don't want to find your med... Get sorry, Will, I'm, I'm talking over you. But I, I actually, sorry, I, I'm, I'm trying to take away a phrase of the question, but I just agree with you. So when I was thinking of somebody who puts their own spin on it, and I, I love when a director does that, but you still have to be a top-class director to make a great film. Like We can all agree Rob Zombie 
puts Rob Zombie stamps on films. He makes the film that Rob Zombie wants and to see. And he made two no. okay movies. And he made two okayish movies. Mm. And uh, uh, wait, are you talking about the Halloween? No, no he uh, the House of a Thousand Corpses. Corpse and Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects. Because oh, yeah. I'm a huge zombie fan. I love almost <laughs> all his movies, except for <laughs> the Salem Witches zombies. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so they, this I'm, is the only zombie you do like the worst kind. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like Lords of Salem, but I, I love everything else that he does. So yeah, uh, you won't, you won't get agreement for me on that one. I think yeah. Halloween Two is a fucking. Gar- Dumpster fire. Oh, it's, I think it's one of the best Halloween movies ever made. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. We're talking about a director putting his this own. This is what I love about movies. This is what I love about movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah, no, of course. No, I like Joe's. That's what I love about movies. Yeah, because me and Will yeah. would probably be like, we'd like 90% of the similar movies. And then what you disagree on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, no but uh, you're, no, so you're, I didn't mean to sidetrack with your garbage opinions. <laughs> I know, but I just say you still. <laughs> I know, but you, have to, you still have to be a really good director to make a film for yourself and still have it be an absolutely great film for the masses. Because I don't know anybody sure. who I consider a, 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 a horror cinephile. Uh, shout out to the cinephile uh, podcast, but uh, mm. who isn't just a huge fan of at least two to three of those horror films that you just named, like The Thing, mm. uh, The Fog, uh, Salt and Precinct Thirteen, just absolutely. Well, abs- yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele is kind of becoming that <laughs> next. Um, oh, shut up! Uh, he's so becoming. He's, he's, oh, he's, Jesus! He's, been just <laughs> one time. No, no, no. Okay, no, but he is. He's be, he's becoming that populist horror, an Ariaster, probably to a little to a, to a little extent. Hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, Get Out and Us were huge box office successes. You know, Get Out won an oscar uh you know my mom has my mom rest in peace saw both of those movies i mean like it goes beyond just the fandom so you know and i think a lot of people yeah like i think a lot of people are like oh yeah i i don't really like horror but i love the thing you know because Hmm. there's just a craftsmanship and a universality to it that speaks to multiple people that's what i'm saying i think jordan peele is kind of the next horror like populist if you want to say you know like he's Reaching beyond the horror genre a little and bit. Like M. Night Shyamalan looked like he might have been for a while. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, M. Night Shyamalan was definitely one of those. Uh, you could de- you could uh, debate Ari Aster. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of either of his films, but uh, I mean, they're fine. I don't hate. But they get them, people talking. It's one thing about they get movie. people talking, mm. and they and they, they have that art house credibility. Yeah. So they're not going to be like populist entertainment, but it's summer look uh, beautiful. Oh yeah, look great. Yeah, it's mm. it's a fine movie. It's fine. It's it's a fine movie. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, I said it's fine. It's fine. Okay, that's kind right of the way somebody like you know your 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 ex wife has gone missing and she hasn't been seen in forty hours and please ask you how your uh, relationship with her was. You can't. It's fine. That's the that's the way. That's, and you're definitely the person who did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite. Um, I follow this Twitter account called like letterbox reviews with threatening auras. I think it's called. So they find like the strangest. And one of them was like, imagine, imagine being left out of your family's suicide. Like that was my favorite. Like, Flor- like Flor- Florence Pugh is so annoying. 
that her family's like, let's just all kill ourselves and not invite her. That's what I think is brilliant. Just in case, just in case there's an afterlife. She's like, well, not like just in case, just in case. I don't want to meet her at the pearly gates. Yeah, if we have to meet her there, we need to prepare. Yeah, let's get in there beforehand and we can start telling people how horrible she is. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to win over a lot of uh, a lot of people with that opinion. But no, I thought that was a hilarious review of Hereditary. But anyways, sorry, I didn't mean to steer away from the discussion of the fog but uh, the fog. Yeah. there's yeah. something in the fog one thing i loved about this though is the lore like you know I, I, like i've said before i'm a big lore dude and i love when they really establish a good fucking curse you know what i mean like yeah. i love i love the part when is a uh, uh, bite holbrook's father is actually no is that bite holbrook uh no what's his father's name um Al holbrook? Uh, Hal holbrook. Hal holbrook is that is that Boyd's father is it uh Boyd from i have no idea um, but um uh, but uh, yeah, Hal Holbrook, when he's reading the journal he found in the wall of the church and he's setting up the whole backstory of the curse and the uh, story of, uh, what's it called? Uh, Elizabeth Dane. Was that the name of the ship um, or some shit like this? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love that scene where, uh, and another thing Carpenter does well, he's like he's building using only words and shit, but like he really sets the tone in that where he keeps you on edge because now you know yeah. what's coming back, what the association is with the fog. And we know that at this stage that the kid found the bit of driftwood down by the rocks that's in the story where the, the ship ran aground before they stole the gold. So like one thing I really liked about yeah. this was the lore and the mythology. And it's a book. Like he's reading from a book. It's not much different from a book. It's a hundred you know, it's not they're not like it's not like what yeah, and but it's not you know when they read it and it kind of like and then you get to see it all play out. It doesn't, yeah. it's actually him reading a book, which is great. Like you said, when you say mm. it was with words, it's literally just with words. Yeah, it's no different than an audio book for that very small scene, and it completely works. Yeah. What do you think of the mythology and the curse around the, the leper colony will? Oh, I mean that's that's part partially why I picked it because like I said, I, I like this idea of like um, ghosts or zombies or whatever you want to call them being like zombies ch- chained down to like they can't be like zombies free. They can't, mm-hmm. yeah, they can't be, yeah, they can't be released from their prison. Like it's like purgatory, mm. you know, until, until their mission is complete. And I like the idea that, you know, this has been going on for, I guess, at least hundred years, or oh, a century. I think it was exactly a century at that time. Yeah. yeah. So it was the centenary there. That's what they were celebrating. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So I think like that idea of like this tortured fate is just intriguing to me. I, I like that. So you know, some of the lore. I mean, obviously, is really cool. I, I think it it there's kind of this small town stuff that you know, if you're born like I was in the suburbs or the city. You know, there's already kind of a not a mysticism, but kind of a fairy tale quality to like you know the town where everybody knows who everybody is. And, yeah. You know, you got the cool lighthouse at the top where the DJ, the super hot DJ, is mm. uh, broadcasting, and there's already kind of like a cool mm. like element to that story. And then when you add this mythology and and stuff like that, it just makes it kind of unique and different. And um, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a template of horror to have that kind of small yeah. town. Stephen King's been yeah milking off of that for fifty years. You know, that small town 
often the smallest towns have the biggest secrets it's not the kind of right it, yeah. exactly exactly so i i kind of like that it's it, i don't think this would work like you know every now and then that concept like you know let's take something like predator right like mm. predator one is like in the isolation of the jungle and then predator two does work even though they transport it to the city because it's kind of like its own concrete jungle kind of thing yeah. it's different but you know like there's a reason why like they can't really set like alien films on earth it just doesn't have the same you, you no. know you have to you have to have like a a sense of separation difference yeah. like you have yeah you have it to seems have separation zany. That... it's just like oh now they're running around la you know yeah just, it's, it's like right. zany. Yeah. yeah it's like the thing kind of... the, the thing's the perfect example of doing it on earth correctly you put it in north pole or somewhere yeah right right so it's it's a template of what carpenter's doing here with the fog i mean that's why halloween is my one of my top five favorite films is because he really struck at and this is something that the x-files would do really good at later mm. is they really struck at the fact that the evil can be in quote unquote, the safest place, which is the suburbs, you yeah. know, of a random neighborhood where you just go trick or treating every night and everybody yeah. says hi. And, but you know, every house is kind of anonymous, you know, and like, I kind of like, like I said, the X-Files would do that later where like they, they kind of had this like suburban threat to them. Like, you know, your, your monsters in your air conditioning duct, you know, like yeah. it was, it was kind of a different take. And I think that's why he's so brilliant is he, captures those you know it's it's not a yeah it's not it's not just something that is running around the city or you know it would be a whole different thing i think i think uh, another fog adjacent movie the mist yeah frank movie. darabont is the same thing because it, it that wouldn't be like a zombie film but what i like about it is it condenses the human experience to one grocery store yeah. you know and you're and, and it makes you think it goes yeah, this is happening all over the state or even all over the country, but can you imagine like the power struggles that are going on everywhere around the world, yeah. but you don't need to see it to feel that effect because you're already seeing like literally like a country rise a microcosm, and fall. A microcosm yeah, like, of exactly. So so you have to you have to to get those things across. You have to make these things like small in scope. And that's the key I think to a lot of these horror things is yeah, and this is what the fog nails it because, um, yeah, it's this small kind of, you know, ide idealistic fairy tale town where this is happening, and of course, it's got some kind of curse attached to it, you know, and it's just it's just brilliant. I, I can't speak enough about yeah how well constructed before, the film is. Before we get out of here, I'm just going to ask one simple question, a short one. Forty-two year old film, does it still hold up? Yes, yay or nay? For me, yay, all day. It's, it's Absolutely. a really well-structured film. It works in the 80s before the kind of information age where it was very hard for everyone to find out from everyone else what's going on. We've got that radio station at the center of the story. Um, so yeah, lighthouse. I just think this film holds the lighthouse. I, I think this film really holds up as an isolationist horror and I'd mm. recommend anyone to watch it 42, 52, 102 years later, Vinny. Yeah, no, it, it yeah, no, the, the best thing about um, the horror kind of masters is that no matter the setting, they can create this uh, feeling of confinement or isolation and that's what John Carpenter does like he, like he cuts this town off away from the rest of civilization it, like he this is one event happening to this small town and like in one night and it just creates this whole thing where there's, it's inescapable 
And it's something like, like obviously the thing, you know, is that too taken to the extreme because it really is inescapable. But like, even when it's not like, like in something like even Christine, like, you know, that car felt inescapable. Whatever the event is or whatever is occurring, like the horror masters, they create this sense of isolation where the victims of the event are totally cut away from any kind of sort of safety. He did that brilliantly in Halloween. It's like it all took place in this like one little suburbs, like, but it's like he cut them away from the rest of civilization, no matter how far they got, they could never get far away from Michael Myers, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. And that's that's what I love about it. Like, you know, it's just like he's like, he'll go, okay, I'm slicing this town away from everything. This one event is going to consume everything. And then it's all mm. about surviving that one event. And he does it massively um in the fog because like it's just it's this one town, it's one curse, one story, one night. And it's just it's inescapable for that what 12 hour period or six hour period or however long it was. And like until those six people die and until Blake gets back his gold, they're going to kill everything and anyone in their path. And I just love that kind of shit that he just he's really, really good at making everything feel so small, but yet so far away from everything else. How about you? Will? Well, yeah, and that's that's kind of the stressful thing about um, Carpenter is that he went away from that because his first film, Assault on Precinct, well, not his first film, he did Dark Star in space, but mm. his first like major success Assault on Precinct 13 is, is the same kind of thing. It's these people stuck in this police house that have to defend it overnight from <laughs> this uh, unending gang of murderers, you know? Mm-hmm. And and he would do that. And then if you notice, like a lot of his films, uh, you know, my, my second favorite Carpenter film after Halloween is In the Mouth of Madness. Mm, um, Sam Neill. That one has somewhat of a... You, you don't really get to the heart of the mystery until you go to a small town in that one. Like, you know, shit's going down and they kind of reflect that people are starting to get affected. And there's kind of this mass uh, psychosis with people reading, you know, Sutter Kane. Um, but it really doesn't come to a head until you get to a small town and it gets a little bit more isolated again. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, when you look at those first couple of films, Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, and The Thing, you know he's very isolated i mean once you get to starman you know you're you're going all over the country big trouble mm. little china is kind of like an epic fantasy so mm. even though it's only in one location it doesn't feel isolated you know prince of darkness he does go back to cool movie you know like a in a haunted house so to speak so that works a little bit but then you know they live as kind of a citywide nationwide kind of thing <laughs> memoirs of an invisible man they're all over the place you know, and then Escape from L.A. is kind of all over the place. Vampires, Ghosts of Mars, they're on fucking Mars, for God's sake. But, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, Village of the Damned is a, is a pretty, I think, underrated entry. For Christopher back, Reeves. Yeah, it gets yeah. back to the heart of what makes these movies successful, like The Fog, is that, that it takes place in a kind of idyllic small town. Mm. I know it's a, I know it's a remake, but it's it's got its own Carpenter twist and a great score, too. I mm. think people sleep on that John Carpenter score for Village of the Damned. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just, I think that, I mean, Starman's a great film and, With and, Jeff Bridges. Uh, and They Live is a great film. And, um, but I, yeah, I think he works his best when he's in that little slot when, it, when it's like, okay, there's only like six people and they're stuck in a room or a small town. Mm. That's, that's where, yeah. that's where he excels the most because <laughs> then yeah. you're dealing with the, a group you know, you know, care about and but then kind of like, 
Emily Shimelan, like the, the problems he had, the more expansive his stories got, the more messy they go. If you look at his earlier earlier pieces, like uh, Six Sense, Unbreakable, like uh, even Signs in the Village, like you could see the more he expanded, the, the less the quality was. And like when he started making smaller movies again, that's when he came good again, like The Visit, uh, Glass, or sorry, Split. And then once again, he made the same mistake. He got too big and Glass wasn't as good as the other movies. So sometimes I think it's better to have these uh, visionaries, for lack of a better word, to be reined in somewhat and allow their yeah. visions to be kind of contained within a really tight structure because then their real uh, auteur in them comes out because they're not like looking for the easy out. They're looking for the, the the smart out, you know what I mean? And and I think that was the reason why Carpenter was so good when he told these kind of insulated, kind of isolationist type of stories Agreed. in the same way Emily Shyamalan, when he made these smaller scale, very personal character-based stories. But that's why they're more successful because they focused on their strengths and they had to think cleverly and not easily because when the scope is bigger, sometimes you try to go for the easy out instead of trying easy. to think on your feet, you know? Okay, guys, I'm going to try and wrap that up there. Will we get the um, fuck out of here? Let's get the fuck out of here. Um, uh, got lost in the fog there. Oh, cool. Let's do this thing. All right, cool. No, we get the fuck out of here. Okay. All right, I- I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Walter Antilli. And that was The Fog, and this is Invasion of Poly Snatchers, and that's Will Johnson. Let's get the fuck out of here, motherfuckers. See you next time. <laughs> yeah, Can motherfuckers. Yeah, peace. <laughs> <laughs> There's something in the fog. It's glowing. <laughs> Welcome to Earth, slap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that, that's solid. Please, um, Peace. <laughs>